Welcome back to Tech Talks, everybody. As we move through our new series, Conspiracy Series, we're going to first look at the most relevant, most controversial, and most public conspiracy theory in our world today. Let's talk about the QAnon phenomenon. Before we do, if you have not listened to our first episode titled, Why is the Christian Community More Prone to Believing Conspiracy Theories? Please do so before you start this episode. It sets a great foundation that we will build upon within this specific episode. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to the Tech Talks Podcast, helping you turn adversity into victory. Whether you're an entrepreneur, corporate professional, or stay-at-home parent, The Tech Talks Podcast provides relevant advice and inspiration as you navigate your career, calling, and daily life. Let's get started with your host, Matt Tech. First things first, what is QAnon? I'm going to begin with issuing a trigger warning as some of the content of the QAnon beliefs is incredibly disturbing. So QAnon is a movement of followers who dissect cryptic posts made from an entity known only as Q. Now back in 2017, in an online bulletin called 4chan, someone on the site claimed to be an ultra-level government official with clearance status Q, which supposedly allows access to top-secret information. At first, This anonymous poster suggested the existence of a satanic cabal running a pedophile sex ring with connections to Hollywood and the Democratic Party, and with whom President Donald Trump was engaged in a behind-the-scenes political and legal battle. Supposedly, this battle will eventually culminate in an event called The Storm, which involves massive numbers of arrests, public revelations, and televised executions to occur. Now, what they call an Anon is a supporter and follower of the, quote, Q drops that quickly move from the public forum 4chan to an independent, untraceable website. Therefore, the term QAnon was created by the media as a name to the movement. It just matches the name of the, quote, intelligence official and the name of the follower, Q plus Anon equals QAnon. Now, QAnon quickly moved from a fringe belief into an immensely large following. In Georgia, a candidate for Congress praised Q as a mythical hero. Five other congressional candidates voiced their support. And Donald Trump himself, when asked about QAnon, responded with, quote, I believe they think I'm a hero, so that's fine with me, end quote, obviously having no idea what it actually was. Far-right commentators began giving it ample airtime, which then provoked left-leaning media outlets to respond, giving it even more airtime. On social media, Twitter experienced a 71% increase in QAnon content and a 651% increase on Facebook. Further details about the specific things this movement believes is something that we will not give airtime to on our podcast. Before we continue, here at Tech Talks, we firmly believe that the QAnon movement is anti-scripture, anti-Jesus, anti-Semitic, and is co-opting a culture of watered-down Christian vulnerability. In the 80s and 90s, U.S. evangelicals warned what would happen when people abandon absolute truth, which is found in the Bible. Abandoning absolute truth leads us into an arena known as relative truth. The following are examples of relative truth. If you believe it, it's true for you. If I don't believe it, it's not true for me. 
That's fine if God exists for you, but he doesn't exist for me. Relative truth sounds tolerant and open-minded. However, it is not open-minded at all. For example, to say that, quote, God exists for you, but not for me, is to say that the other person's concept of God is wrong. It passes judgment. Nobody actually believes that all truth is relative. No sane person would say, well, gravity works for you, but not for me, and proceed to jump off a tall building, believing no harm will follow. The statement, quote, truth is relative, is in fact a self-refuting statement. In saying truth is relative, one actually states a purported truth. But if all truth is relative, then that statement itself is relative as well, which means we cannot trust it to be true all the time. Now, why is this important relative truth versus absolute truth? Abandoning absolute truth leads people to believe whatever confirms their own inward hunches, their feelings. Now, QAnon specifically targets the vulnerabilities within the Christian community, and we referenced this in the first episode. Millennial Christians, for example, have suspicions of big government, they've questioned scientific consensus such as evolution, and they've rejected the morals of Hollywood and liberal elites. Now, personally, I do have a preference for smaller government. I do not believe in the mainstream account of Darwinian evolution, and I do not look to celebrities as the arbiters of moral truth. If you look at Hollywood for moral authority, you have bigger spiritual issues that need quickly addressed. Millennial Christians and many other generations of Christians are specifically politically alienated and beat up by the mainstream media, myself included. And these vulnerabilities make us natural targets for the QAnon movement. Dr. Russell Moore, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, says in his new book, The Courage to Stand, quote, why would a predator seek out a spiritual environment? The answer is vulnerability. Spiritual predators target these environments in order to exploit the weak and the vulnerable. And to do so, they take on all the requisite behaviors of committed believers. End quote. The QAnon movement uses Christian words and phrases, co-opting God's words for its own ends. And because of this, the movement has gained momentum through the evangelical church, especially among young believers. Look, we already have a problem of young people exiting the church because they see their parents, mentors, pastors, and Sunday school teachers spreading things and living a way of life that they can see directly through. This conspiracy infiltration has more people leaving the church as well. Jeb Barr, senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Elmhot, just outside of Waco, Texas, recalling a conversation with a young congregate said, quote, why would we listen to my friend Joe? He's telling me about the love of Jesus, but also thinks that communists are taking over America and operating a pedophile ring out of a pizza parlor? Why would he be believed? End quote. This goes beyond face-to-face -face conversations and moves mostly through social media behavior. Christians are meant to be agents of hope and to be peacemakers. The Bible says not to be quarrelsome. We are not to be the ones spreading fear, division, and anger. Another reason QAnon gained so much traction is because of mainstream media's shift towards ratings and not towards reporting provable facts to viewers anymore. We live in an age of media illiteracy. Because of this, the QAnon movement has thrived on the narrative of the media cover-up. Back when the baseless documentary Plandemic, which presented COVID-19 as a money-making scheme by government officials, made its rounds on social media, it did so using a brilliant marketing strategy. The most banned video on the internet. Who doesn't love a good caper? Who wouldn't want to see a video that for some reason social media has continuously removed? To be honest, I watched it because of that, and for a moment had a slight belief in its content until I examined the claims and the quote proof in the video. Now, hear this loud and clear, guys. 
removal from social media does not automatically grant credibility to content. I'm not a fan of documentaries. Documentaries are simply a form of narrative control. No documentary goes on a quest to find truth. They have a version of truth they wish you to now believe and insert footage and scripts that back up their pre-planned narrative. So I don't watch documentaries anymore. QAnon has shifted from a political ideology to a spiritual worldview. It's generated millions of followers using Christian sounding ideas to promote verifiably false claims about actual human beings. QAnon is anti-Christian because it has features akin to what's called quote syncretism. Now syncretism is the practice of blending traditional Christian beliefs with other spiritual systems such as Santeria. Q explicitly uses Bible verses to urge followers to stand firm against evil elites. One charismatic church in Indiana actually hosts two-hour Sunday services showing how Bible prophecies confirm Q's messages. Leader of that church also tell their congregation to stop watching mainstream media and instead to dial into QAnon YouTube channels and the QMAP website itself. For exactly why Christians tend to believe this stuff more than any other group of people, please refer to the first episode of this series. Now, before we close, I want to point out one positive thing we have seen as a result of the movement. While everything we've discussed so far is not even close to the full spectrum of the movement, and with most of it being evil in some fashion, there has been increased advocation for victims of human trafficking. Now, this movement has placed a microscope on this ever-growing evil industry happening under our noses. This is a great thing that's happened. Unfortunately, the movement has made it equally as hard for anti-sex trafficking organizations to operate. The QAnon has been linked to violence and threats of violence, broadening the FBI's focus across trafficking and the violent threats by QAnon. This ultimately hampers the work being done to rescue trafficking victims. In closing, Christians are commanded to have no part of following false doctrine and false prophets. Predictions about specific events made by Q have proved untrue. More visible are the largest prophecies made concerning January 6th and March 4th. Many of these claims are the same type of shifty, easily manipulated prophecies made by telephone psychics and horoscopes. QAnon continues to thrive because of its spotlight on real-world meaning. Politically left-leaning officials and celebrities seem to be held to a completely different standard of conduct than those who are conservative. News sources frequently display the same bias and hypocrisy, and human trafficking is a crime that rarely receives the level of attention as other social issues. While these things are true, the movement uses them as logs on the fire. The QAnon conspiracy theories allege an unreasonable level of interconnectedness, coordination, and control wielded by world elites. Concepts like QAnon, they oversimplify and condense multiple issues into a single, kind of cartoonish idea which begins to take on a life of its own, hence its organic growth. Now, as followers of Christ, we can and should be ready to address the real-world problems highlighted by QAnon, the media bias, the trafficking, the celebrity hypocrisy. However, we should not succumb to conspiracy theories and quasi-religious political ideas. Too much of QAnon is irrational, non-factional, and unfair. It cannot be taken seriously. The serious part is the damage it's doing to our witness and the potential to promote the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you currently are a perpetuator and or a follower of QAnon, I would highly urge you to ask God to reveal the truth to you. Paul commands us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Separate yourself from an anti-scripture movement and shift your focus to doing the work of Jesus, which is spreading his gospel.
Hey everyone, thanks for sticking around past our technically close of the episode. Um, I finished recording this, the initial part of this, on a Saturday morning. I'm now sitting here, it's Sunday afternoon, I just got home from church, and on the way home I felt like I needed to add to the end of this episode, and to just be very transparent with you that I'm not so far removed from this from this particular subject as... Uh, some people might think of initially when they hear the rest of the episode. In the summer of 2020, I did go down the road, down the rabbit hole, as some people would say, or as the community would say, was uh, quote-unquote red-pilled into the Q phenomenon. And, you know, watched the documentaries, watched the YouTube videos, read the QMAP website, and found myself really believing what I was reading. And the more that I read it over the couple months, the more, I guess, heavy you could say my my spirit was really starting to feel so much so that I started to kind of feel this this like this icky feeling that something just wasn't lining up and something something wasn't right and so I I prayed I was like Lord I need you to reveal to me if this is something from you and if this is something I need to be continuing to engage in and I didn't post any stuff on social media. I didn't really tell anybody about it. I just went down the path of reading everything on the website and you know, reading Instagram accounts that were sharing and decoding these these various Q drops. The Q drop is is what they call these cryptic messages that get uploaded to this to this untraceable website where all these posts from this Q individual go. And I read just about the entire website, you know, everything since it started, like I think in 2017 or something like that. And I uh, spent a lot of time on this and I, I was like, Lord, I need you to reveal to me because I don't, I don't feel right reading this. I feel a lot of this stuff that I'm reading is, is very contradictory to your word. And I felt the Holy Spirit was asking me to move away from it, shut it off, and to get back into Scripture. It became very clear to me after a while that this stuff was not of the Lord. And that's why I referenced it earlier, saying that here on Tech Talk, we believe that it's anti-Jesus, anti-Christian, anti-Semitic, and that it's co-opting a very watered-down version of Christianity, because that's what it's doing. So in the episode, we do address that this specific movement, it's gotten popular because Christianity today is watered down. And so we get into that in the episode. I won't get into it here. I know people who are very committed to these conspiracy theories. And I know some people that are more curious about them. And being curious is okay. That's a healthy curiosity that shows that you have an open mind. And the question becomes, it, okay, so here's an example. The election, okay? there There is a huge difference between somebody engaging in a conversation about, you know, late night, quote unquote, ballot dumps that may or may not have turned the election for Biden. So if they ask that question, usually it comes with an open mind. However, if somebody proceeds to then tell me, tell me and convince me that the election was stolen, then this specific idea doesn't just communicate their own commitment to a false reality, a false set of information. But as David French says, it also carries with it an implied commitment to a particular community. There's an article that 
a gentleman named, named David French wrote in the dispatch that came out in about the end of February. And it's titled, Why Is It So Hard to Reach the Christian Conspiracy Theorist? And the reason I wanted to share part of this with you is because there might be somebody listening that is really, really, really deep into this. And as I said in the episode, I'm going to pray that you ask God to begin to reveal to you if this is of him or not. And I think it's going to be pretty clear that it's not. But then there's those of us who have close family, friends, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, you know, sons and daughters that are heavily engaged into this stuff. And so how do we address these specific individuals? And I think that we have the inclination to send them a bunch of information that will very clearly, quote unquote, prove them false or prove them wrong. And David French addresses this specific issue in the article. So I wanted to kind of take some of this and give you this information in how it's helped me have conversations with folks who are holding on to these false realities very, very strongly, because at the end of the day, it is keeping us from being able to advance the gospel of Christ. There's one paragraph that I think really sets the tone for how we as Christians should lovingly address these specific folks whenever we hear these conspiracies. So David writes, the more I see the conspiracies play out in real life, the more concerned I grow. When large numbers of people hold beliefs with religious intensity, those beliefs not only provide them with a sense of enduring purpose, they also help them from enduring bonds of friendship and fellowship. The conspiracy isn't just a set of intellectual convictions, it's also a source of community. It's the world in which they live. And this is what I began to find when I went down the quote rabbit hole is that there was a whole community, a sense of belonging, a sense of worth amongst all this stuff. And in a time in 2020 where everyone was separated from each other, this is where people found community. And so what happens is folks are quick to address the information, but we're not as quick to address the sense of belonging that these folks have now come to know. There's an author named um, Jonathan Haidt who wrote The Coddling of the American Mind. And he refers to our mind divided like a rider on an elephant. So the rider, he says, represents your conscious verbal reasoning. It's the stuff that you're aware of. It's the part of you that uses logic. And then he says that the elephant is everything else. It's the automatic processes. It's basically the 99% of what's going on in your mind that you're not aware of. And what we're doing is we're spending most of our time trying to persuade other people's riders and not addressing the elephants. So when we address the riders, this is when we start sending them those, you know, reasons why they're wrong article to persuade folks why they should believe something else when we really should be doing what he said, which is speaking to the elephant first. After all, who's stronger, the rider or the elephant? Okay, so the more that the elephant digs its heels into the ground and it moves, the rider is on top of it and it has to go with it, regardless of the direction in which it's going. But more than that, because of the strength of the elephant, the rider follows effortlessly. David French says, how does a conspiracy theory become part of the elephant? When it's connected to the fabric of your identity, to your community, to your friendships, and to your faith. Because when you're trying to pull people out of this movement, you end up pulling with them a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose because in that community where they share the same thoughts, they're in a community with people who unfortunately share the same lie, but that also love them, accept them, and give them a sense of shared purpose. And when we call them out and when we call out the writer, then we're just making them feel bad. What we have to do as Christians, is we have to address the elephant and we have to be the ones to love them, accept them. We can't just take the posture of you're wrong and you need to repent. While that is correct, David French also says, quote, 
When everyone around us is right, we deserve little credit for conforming. But when everyone around us is wrong, we're also likely to fail, end quote. And so this is the place where we find ourselves. We find ourselves having to address folks who have found not only a set of lies that they believe is truth because it's been covered up by scripture and, you know, quote unquote prophecy and all that stuff, they have found literally a sense of belonging. The conspiracy theory is often a symptom of something that's far greater, okay? It's usually a symptom of hate or fear or something that robs a person of their joy. Now, you can't just pull somebody out of a community and then leave them homeless. We've got to pull them out of the community and give them a sense of purpose. So how do we do that? How do we pull people out of this community of lies? Is we love them. We love them knowing that it's gonna take time to get them out of this mess. We live in a really bitter and divided culture, but I think that we as human beings are so quick to wanna repair things. We have to realize that there are no shortcuts to cultural repair. Politics are important, but it's relationships that will repair or destroy our land? And do we care enough about our angry relatives that we're willing to love them back into spiritual health? Not send them articles about how they're wrong, not debate with them, but love them back into spiritual health. And that's not something that we're gonna find in any sort of political or even media reform. You can't write off millions of Americans as beyond the reach of truth and hope. You have to be the person that loves them where they are, that speaks truth into their life. Look, I just wanted to share these last few minutes with you guys because I've been there. I went down the road and I didn't go down deep enough to where I wasn't able to, to pull out of the reality is before I felt myself pulling that direction, I asked God to course correct me. Where's the right place to go? Is this of you or is this not of you? And if you are that person that has gone down this road of believing everything that, you know, this Q individual has to say and felt like you've finally found a place of belonging within this community. Just know that you have a sense of community elsewhere, that you don't have to reside in this place that depends on lies and false prophecy. Because the more you find yourself in with this community, the further away you find yourself from God's community. And I don't mean God's community like here on earth. I mean what's eventually going to be our eternal home, and that's heaven. You still might get there, but are you going to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant? And then if you're somebody that knows someone, maybe even someone close to you, maybe even a relationship that you've lost based on this thing, then if your approach has been to just tell them how wrong they are, let's course correct that set of actions as well. And let's just love people where they are. Let's pray for them more than we speak at them. Let's continue to speak the truth because the truth is greater than your truth. Look, if you need help, if you find yourself in that community and God's telling you, hey, this doesn't feel right, this isn't right, then I want you to reach out to us. I want you to send us a message on Facebook. I want you to hook up with us on Instagram. I want you to send us an email at info at techtalkspodcast.com. And look, I'll be happy to walk you through my journey and how the Lord course corrected me and got me back into the gospel. And I'm just here to help you. I've been down the road. This is a personal issue for me. It's not only a personal issue for me in that regard, but it's because for a long time, you know, my wife and I have advocated and fought for victims of human trafficking. And this is specifically the avenue that this movement tends to capture. So if you need help, please reach out. You are not beyond forgiveness. You're not beyond being able to fix the relationships that may have been broken as a result of, of this set of, of lies that you've been sold. And look, over the course of our lives, we've all been sold a set of lies that we believed. You know, Romans says that all, all fall short of the glory of God. But that doesn't mean that he's not ready to forgive you. Reach out if you need it. Love you guys and God bless you.
This episode of Tech Talks has ended, but be sure to subscribe for upcoming inspiration. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you transformative content. See you next time.